I invite you to stand if you are able for the reading of God's words. Today's scripture is reading from Exodus chapter 20. Then the Lord spoke these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens or above, on the earth below, or in the waters under the earth. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You speak to us, and we will listen, they said to Moses, but do not let God speak to us, or we will die. Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid, for God has come to test you, so that you will fear him and will not sin. And the people remained standing at the distance as Moses approached the total darkness where God is. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who are new, my name is Chris, and I serve as the lead pastor here. Uh, so glad to have you with us. Uh, this second Sunday of Advent, and let me just add by way of welcome, uh, know that our heart for you, whether you're a confident believer in Jesus looking for a church home, or whether you're somebody who's unsure of what you believe and you're wrestling through and you have lots of questions, or you're someone who wouldn't profess faith at all, uh, but you're here this morning, uh, maybe you came with a friend or family member, or if you came by yourself you are the hero of the day because you not only came to church by yourself, you came to a church in a school by yourself. So I just, I want to acknowledge that, that takes a lot of courage. And so we're glad you're here. Wherever you are, know that our heart for you is that you know the grace of God. You know the power of the gospel in your life. And we as a church, why we exist is so that others would know the power of the gospel. We exist to make disciples, that those that would um, come to know Jesus, follow Jesus and so if there are ways that we can answer questions about what First City Church is, what, how we do things, uh, if we can answer questions about the Bible, what it means to follow Christ, whatever it may be, uh, know that our heart is to extend hospitality. We'd love to be able to do that. If we can pray for you, uh, serve practical needs, uh, we'd love to be able to do that. So please stop by the welcome table or uh, hop on Church Center or grab me after the service. Uh, would love to connect and meet with you and let me take you out for a cup of coffee or buy you lunch or breakfast. I'd love to be able to do that. Uh, one quick uh, announcement. Man, this is, this is a lot of announcements this morning. I promise we're eventually going to get to the sermon. But uh, one, one quick announcement, one quick update. Uh, one of the things we like to do periodically is give a financial update. And being this is the last month of the year, I uh, thought that it would be appropriate to kind of say, hey, here's where we are financially rolling into the last month of the year. 
and then talk about what we would like to do uh, kind of with giving in December. And so, first of all, uh, where we are uh, financially is we are in a great place. So uh, what we are kind of budgeted uh, at this point in the year is about $580,000 and some change. Giving has come in a little bit above that. So we are in a great place financially. So thank you uh, for your faithfulness uh, to give. We, we thank the Lord uh, for his continued provision. So it is always good to be able to, to come and say, uh, hey, we're in a good place financially. Uh, it's, it's been our story for the past nearly eight years, so we're thankful for that. And so what we typically like to do in December is uh, we, we like to take giving above and beyond uh, what comes in, because typically December is a bigger giving month, and we like to uh, set that aside for a particular purpose. And so we have done various things throughout the years. We have set aside money for church planting. We've set aside money for mercy ministries, uh, whatever we sort of feel like, what is sort of the pressing need in front of us at the time. And so this year, what we're hoping to be able to do is to go above and beyond to give to our building fund. So as you guys know, or those of you that have been part of First City Church, we are in the process of purchasing our Lloyd Street property. Uh, that is not a sufficient space for us on Sundays at this point, uh, but we are entering into a process to do a feasibility study uh, to see if it's possible to add on to that space uh, that that could potentially become a permanent home. We don't know what that will be. That's going to take some time. But regardless of the outcome of that, whether it, it looks like it's a promising prospect or it's just going to sort of serve what it has been serving at this point, we do want to continue to raise money because we are purposefully looking, we are purposefully praying for a building. And so our goal, our hope, is to raise $50,000 above and beyond giving in December. Uh, that may seem like a lot, but... Uh, to be honest, that's actually pretty average for what we typically take in uh, in December. And so uh, it, it's something that we, we want to encourage you towards. We want to kind of lay that out there in faith. Uh, we don't, it, it's not necessarily a guarantee that that's going to happen. Uh, you're going to have to respond to the Lord for that to happen. But we also want to say, hey, this is kind of what typically comes in in December. And what we want to do with that uh, giving above and beyond is set it aside for our building fund uh, whatever the Lord would have for us in the future with that. And so let me encourage you, one, if you are part of First City Church, to continue to give faithfully as the Lord would direct. If you're not part of First City Church, what I just said over the past three minutes does not apply to you, <laughs> unless you want to. But there is no, we're not asking those who are not part of uh, this church community uh, to give. This is something that those who are part of this church, the call church home, we're, we're calling you into, uh, into this. And so uh, if you have any questions about our finances, if you have any questions about where we spend money, why we spend money, uh, please feel free to reach out to myself or Pastor Paul or Pastor Kyle or Chuck Hutchinson, our deacon of finance. We want to be transparent. We're, we're open about how we spend money. Uh, we're, we're not hiding anything. We want uh, it to be something that is good and healthy and open. Uh, we're thankful that that has been the case over the past eight years, and we want to continue uh, in that trend. Alrighty, if you haven't opened your Bibles to Exodus 20, please do so. Uh, the title of my message this morning is Too Close for Comfort. So I once heard Pastor Paul admit that the 2016 remake of Pete's Dragon was one of his favorite movies of all time. Is this still true, Pastor Paul? Well... Not that you've ever been given to overstatement in your life. 
But there is no shame in that if, it was actually, if that actually did come out of his mouth because it is a good movie. If you have not seen it, it is, it is a great movie. And my favorite scene is when Pete meets Elliot the dragon for the first time. So it is, it is at the beginning of the movie. Pete has just survived a car crash that sadly has taken the life of his parents. And he's in the forest being chased by wolves. And so he is running for his life. There are wolves kind of bearing down on him. And they have him trapped in this spot. And then all of a sudden, there's this rustling in the trees as if something huge is coming. And it scares off the wolves. And slowly, Elliot the dragon emerges from the trees, towering over Pete, looking down at him. And Pete looks up, and in his little boy voice, he asks, are you going to eat me? Pete was terrified in that moment. Elliot's powerful, terrifying, massive presence was too close for comfort for Pete and made him fear for his life. But what makes this scene so beautiful is Elliot's response. At first, he gets this sort of startled look in his face as if surprised that Pete would even ask that question. And then his face turns to pure, unadulterated kindness. As he lays down his paw, picks Pete up, pulls him close, and then walks into the forest with him. And so this terrifying presence became Pete's protector and friend. What terrified Pete at one moment was now bringing Pete comfort. In Exodus 20, we find the people of Israel in the presence of a holy, awesome, powerful, and yes, terrifying presence of God. If you remember from a number of weeks back when we were in Exodus 19, that when God came down on the mountain to meet with Israel, his presence was startling. It stirred the very forces of nature. This is how Exodus 19, 16 through 18 describes it. On the third day, when morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud blast from a trumpet, so that all the people in the camp shuddered. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord had come down on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. God is revealing himself to his people. He's demonstrating through the thunder and the smoke and the fire and the earthquakes his awesome presence, his glorious presence. God is showing just how great he is. He is shaking the foundations of the earth as he descends from heaven onto this mountain. He is making a point here. He's making it very clear to Israel who he is. Right here in this moment, he is saying, Israel, never forget who I am. Going forward, never forget. Never forget, never minimize, never downplay my greatness. And yet, God had come down to them. He had descended. He had come near. And he had called them to draw near. You see, also as we learned at the beginning of Exodus 19, if you remember this, God is entering into covenantal relationship with his people. He's come down to be their God, and they are going to be his treasured possession, his kingdom of priests, his holy nation. So God has come 
with his presence. But also he has come with his word. As we have been studying over the past number of weeks looking at the Ten Commandments, God has spoken these ten words to his people. He's given them statutes. He's given them commandments. And these commandments are to shape their lives. It's going to shape who they are as a people. But here's the other thing about God's word. God's word also cements his nearness to his people. Because God's word is his self-revelation. In his word, he reveals who he is. This is who I am. He says, and he reveals not only who he is, directly speaking, but he also reveals who he is through the Ten Commandments. He reveals who he is by telling his people, this is the type of people you are going to be. We are to be like God. And so we learn in his word, we learn what God is like when we see the commandments he gives. We see what his nature is like, his character, his will. We see who we are like to be, or who we are, we are to be like God, and it reveals who God is like. In the Ten Commandments, we see that God is a God who stands alone. He alone is worthy of worship. He is above all, and he has created all things. He is a God of life and truth and faithfulness and generosity. Why are we to be like the things in the Ten Commandments? Because that's what God is like. It reveals his character. So there is much about God that is beyond our comprehension. Much about God that we cannot wrap our minds around because we are finite, we are human, and he is infinite and he is eternal. However, we're not in the dark. We, we are not in the dark. God has revealed himself to us. He has drawn near to us in his word. We can know him. We can't know everything, but we can know him truly and really and personally. This is what God has done in his word. Through his word, God says to us, know me, be near me, worship me, live for me. And now, just think about this for a moment, how incredible this is. God, in his awesome glory, he's speaking to his people. He's giving them a word in the midst of a broken, sinful, fallen world that's it's wrecking and ruining itself, here God has come to a people to say, I am going to be your God. You are going to be my people. I'm going to give you a word, and through this word, you are going to have life, and you are going to flourish. You're going to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Through this word, you're going to experience goodness and righteousness and faithfulness and truth and beauty and wholeness and health and flourishing. Like God has come to bless his people. Think of this moment. God in all his glory. God giving his word. God near his people. Come down right here. This is monumental. Like this is the story that parents are going to tell their kids and their kids are going to tell their kids and on and on and on and on it goes. What a moment. And how does Israel respond to all of this? Well, as we read in chapter 20, verses 18 and 19. All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moses. But don't let God speak to us or we will die. So at this incredible moment where God has come to draw near to his people, Israel takes a step back. Rather than drawing near to God, they actually step back from the presence of God. They're terrified. 
rather than being near the Lord, they want to stand at a distance. They're afraid. They're like, God, hey, no more, no more. No more speaking, we're done. If you continue to speak, we're dead. So you can talk to Moses and Moses can talk to us, but just please, no more. There's this sense where they're just like, God, too close for comfort. Too close for comfort. Can you take a step back? And so they ask Moses, hey, can you, can you be in between? Can you be the go-between here? Now, if you think about it, this is a perfectly reasonable response in some ways. I don't know if you've ever been near a mountain on fire. The number of times that's happened to me is zero. But my guess is, is if I was, I'd be pretty scared. If I saw an entire mountain on fire such that the smoke coming off of it was like the smoke of a furnace going up into the sky, I'm guessing that I would be afraid. And if I heard trumpets and the ground is quaking and there's, there's clouds all around it and then there's a voice speaking to me, there's a, there's a part of me that is going to be a bit scared. They're going to be a bit terrified because what is happening around me is far greater than me far more glorious, beyond my ability to control or even comprehend fully. There's this sense of awe and wonder and fear and trembling that rightfully comes over Israel. Like when Pete first met Elliot, when he was standing in the shadow of this immense dragon, it was appropriate for him to at first be afraid. Why? Because dragons are terrifying. It's the essence of their being. God is holy. He is awesome. He is beyond our ability to comprehend. He is far greater than us or anything created. And if we want to minimize that, if we want to try to dismiss that, then we are attacking the very nature of God. We are trying to minimize the very nature of who God is. It's like we're trying to pull God down and shrink his glory and his worthiness and his honor. So there's a sense here where Israel was right to be afraid Remember, they could get close, but they couldn't get too close at this point. But notice how Moses responds to their fear. He says, do not be afraid, don't be afraid, for God has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. And the people remained standing at a distance as Moses approached the total darkness where God was. So Moses sees that they're afraid and he understands that, but then he clarifies something here. He's saying, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Yes, God is awesome, and there's fire, and there's smoke, and there's, a, there's an earthquake going on, but you don't have to be afraid. God has come in his glory and his power to test you, to make it clear who he is, and make it clear about what it means to follow his word so you won't sin. He's revealing his greatness to you for your good, to set in your heart and your mind the seriousness of this. But at the end of the day, here is what you need to know. You don't need to be afraid not in the sense in which you have to draw back. Moses is telling them you don't need to step back when God gets near. Rather, you can draw near as he draws near to you. He's calling them to stand in faith, to trust the Lord. Yes, it seems terrifying, but trust that God is good when he tells you that he is good. Trust that God is gracious when he tells you that he is gracious. Trust that God intends to make you his treasured possession when he says he's going to make you his treasured possession. And there's this contrast between Moses and the people. 
The Mo- after Moses tells them, do not be afraid, do they then go, okay, and take a step back forward? No. It says they remained standing at a distance. Moses tells them not to be afraid, and they're still afraid. But then what does Moses do? Moses draws near. Moses goes up into the presence of God. And so there's a contrast. Two responses here. One steps away, one draws near. And so the question for us this morning is, are we like the Israelites or are we like Moses? When God comes near with his presence, with his word, do we draw near to God or do we back away? And there's multiple reasons why we would back away, why we draw back. There is a sense in which we, like the Israelites, will draw back in fear. God is holy. He's awesome. He's overwhelming. Now, we've never seen God manifest himself this way, but if we think of God just as this idea, God can seem very overwhelming. He can seem very distant. Or or maybe if, if you have faith that there's a God that exists, maybe he just seems terrifying to you. The whole idea that there is a being out there that created all of this, that knows everything, that controls everything, maybe that is just terrifying to you. And he just seems so distant, so out there, so far removed, that the whole idea of drawing near just seems like a foreign concept to you. And so there's a sense we fear God because we don't understand. We fear God because he's overwhelming. He's far beyond us. But we also can fear God out of hurt. Here's what I mean. So much of how we relate to God has been shaped by our relationships, especially if those relationships are shot through with religious belief. Whether you want to admit it or not, the way you relate to God has been formed by your parents. It's been formed by your friends. It's been formed by experiences that you have had, rightly or wrongly. And so there's a sense in which we are the product of experiences, and that affects the way we see God and relate to God. And so if you have been hurt by people that are religious, if you've been hurt by pastors, you've been hurt by other Christians, you've been hurt by parents with sort of manipulated religiously, that affects your ability to draw near to God. Like, it may be hard for you because of what you have experienced. You may feel fear inside of the idea of drawing near to God because the primary person in your life who sort of taught you about God was a fearful person. And so there are experiences, there are reasons why we will draw back, fear being one. Another one is guilt. We'll feel guilty. I've done this sin, I've done this thing that is wrong, and there's no way that I can draw near to God. I'm too guilty, I'm too sinful. Also shame. Like we're so ashamed of who we are and what we've done, we don't believe that we can even be in the presence of God. That God would never draw near to us. We have no right drawing near to him. And so let's keep God at a distance. Our guilt and our shame over our sin will keep us from being near God. Keep us from drawing near. We also draw back because of disappointment. Maybe you have some disagreements about the way God has exercised his sovereignty in your life. We talked about this a little bit last week. Unmet expectations. 
unmet desires for good things, disappointment with events. Maybe you're still angry at God because he took that loved one. There's a whole host of things in our lives that will keep us drawing near from God because if we're honest, we're either really mad at God or we don't trust that he's good and it keeps us from drawing near. We also don't draw, because, draw near because of just plain old pride. We don't believe we need God. Why draw near? I don't need God. I got this. I'm fine. Living life on my own, I'm good. The whole idea of drawing near to God, what good is that? And so there's a pride, there's a resistance. We don't submit. We don't believe that we need to follow God and honor him with our lives. So there could be a whole host of reasons. There could be multiple reasons. So the question for you this morning is, what is it? When God draws near, do you draw near or do you pull back? As God calls to you, as God's presence meets you, as his word goes forth into your life, are you drawing near? Are you responding? Or are you pulling back? And if you're pulling back, why? Why? Have you thought about it? Have you considered it? Have you been honest about it? Friend, this morning, right now, where you sit, you can be honest because God knows. God knows why. God knows why. Do you? The question for us as we wrestle through this over and over again is who are we going to be? Are we going to be like the people of Israel and keep standing at a distance or will we be like Moses and draw near to God? Because here, here's the good news for us. And, and just let me lay this out because even if right now it doesn't feel like this is good news, just let me lay this out for you to consider why there is good news for you. Why there is good news that God has drawn near. Because as we are celebrating this month, this season, as, as we celebrate even this morning in the second week of Advent, we, we are considering how God has come near, not by setting a mountain on fire, but by becoming a baby, by becoming a man. God has drawn near, not by ro- just completely rocking the, the elements of nature and, and, and shaking the, the, the earth to its core. No, but by being born in a humble manger and growing to be a man. God has come, God has drawn near to us in Jesus Christ. And it is beautiful to consider that God coming to us in Jesus Christ, he has put his glory on display. Not the glory of fire and smoke and thunder and earthquakes, but the glory of God becoming a man up close and personal. God the Son in the flesh walking among us. God as close as a friend. God so close that you can feel, actually feel his breath. This is how close God has come. This is how God has drawn near to us. And listen to how the Gospel of John puts it. In John chapter 1, 
the Apostle John is talking about how God became flesh and dwelt among, he's pondering just the immense mystery and glory of this reality. And he writes in verse, later in, in chapter one, he writes this, the word, and he's, that means Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Early, right at the beginning of the chapter, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so you kind of do the syllogism, the word became flesh, it means God became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Here John is drawing a comparison to this moment in Exodus between God giving the law through Moses and now Jesus Christ coming. God drew near in one way back in the book of Exodus, and now he's drawing near in a greater, richer, fuller way through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Think of God revealing himself to Israel on the mountain. Here Jesus has come to reveal God all the more. God has drawn near. God has gotten up close and personal. And in that, Jesus has revealed the heart, the full heart of God. And what is it? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. So God has drawn near to you in Jesus Christ in grace and in truth. And this is good news for us. It's good news for us because what did Jesus Christ do for us? He came and he spoke truth. He revealed God's word. He, he took the Ten Commandments and he rescued them from the baggage that the religious leaders had put on them and he unleashed the, the grace and truth of the Ten Commandments fully for us to live so that we can experience blessing. He, he revealed the fullness of God's word. He, he spoke the fullness of the gospel. And then he died in our place. He died for our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our pride, all of our rebellion. He took that upon himself. He died in our place, take the judgment of God on himself so that you and I could be forgiven, so that you and I could be set free. All of our guilt, all of our shame, cleansed, wiped away, so that we could draw near to God. See, the, the, the beauty of what Jesus did far exceeds what happened in the book of Exodus. Because in the book of Exodus, God comes down, he calls the people near. But if you remember, there was a barrier around the mountain. It was close, but not too close. There was always a separation because the sacrifices could not fully cleanse the people. There was still the sense where they weren't holy enough to be completely close to God. But what happened when Jesus died in the temple that curtain that barred the, the Holy of Holies, the place where the presence of God dwelt that no one could enter, that curtain tears from top to bottom, full access through Jesus Christ. There's no more close but not too close. There's only close. The beauty of what Jesus has done is that we now can draw fully near to God and he draws fully near to us. There's no more too close for comforts. no. God draws near to us through Jesus Christ. And so what does that mean for us? And here's the point of it all. Draw near to God through Christ. Draw near to God through Christ. Whatever the, the thing is that is causing you to sort of stiff arm that, 
Whatever that thing is that is causing you to continue to stand at a distance, to stand back, Christ has come and he has done away with whatever excuse, with whatever barrier may be standing in the way. Could it be that it is guilt that is keeping you from drawing near to God? Because yes, in our guilt, in our sin, we cannot be near a holy God. But guess what? Through Jesus Christ, fully forgiven, now you have access. Could it be that you are feeling shame because of what you have done? You, you feel that I am just a disgusting person. I'm a horrible person because of all the things that I have done. Here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus wipes it clean, washes you clean. You are brought in as a beloved son or daughter to be near. No more shame. That barrier is gone. The hurt that you have experienced, whether that's from a parent, a relative, a friend, a pastor, that, that hurt that you have experienced, do you know that Jesus understands that? And Jesus was betrayed by friends. Jesus was attacked by leaders. Jesus was unjustly accused and unjustly murdered. Like Jesus understands what it means to be attacked. But here's the good news of the gospel. When Jesus got out of the grave, you know what happened? He declared victory over all of that. Victory over every unjust slander you've ever experienced. Victory over every hurt that you've experienced. Victory over every evil that has been inflicted on you. That doesn't mean that it's not still going to hurt this side of glory. But what it does mean is that Jesus is victorious over it and he walks with you in it. And so that barrier that is keeping you from God, he now draws you near so that you can experience comfort. Could it be that you fear drawing near because God just seems so far out there? Like you just don't even know what, what does that even mean? Well, Jesus comes and he reveals who God is. He gives you his word so that you can know. That lack of understanding that you may feel in your heart through God's word, you can know God. You can come to a place of wisdom and understanding if you will turn to his word. Whatever your barrier Jesus has come and he has removed it. He's demolished it. He's steamrolled it. He's victorious over it. We have no reason to stand at a distance any longer. The only thing that keeps us from drawing near to God is our lack of faith, our humility, our willingness to turn from sin and to turn from doubt and to turn from self-reliance and turn to Christ and receive all that he has done for us and experience the victory that is in him, the forgiveness that is in him. And so, friend, this morning, I want to encourage you. Turn away from your doubt. Turn away from your fear. And turn to Christ in faith. Trust his word. Trust his word. Trust that all that God says he has done and will do, he has done and he will do. Trust that the forgiveness and the cleansing and the freedom that are in Christ truly are in Christ. You see, here's where the rubber is going to meet the road for us. Even for those of us who are in Christ now and as we continue to grow, here's that the, the, the struggle is always going to be at this point. Do we trust God's word? Do we believe that he is who he has told us he is? Do we believe in that revelation he has given to us? Or are we going to go by our own thoughts and our own emotions and our own experiences? Is God's word going to be the thing that shapes us? The thing that 
speaks a louder voice over all of the other stuff in our world? Or are we going to listen to something that is not the word of God? That's the wrestle here. That was the wrestle for Israel. That's the wrestle for us. But the good news in all of this is that God's word holds out goodness for us, holds out hope for us, holds out freedom for us if we will take hold of it by faith. And so church, draw near to God through Christ. Draw near to God through Christ because what Christ has done allows you to be near. This holy, awesome, righteous, terrifying God that can set mountains on fire through Jesus Christ comes to you and he's your father who loves you, who is near you, who is working all things for your good. And so let's take hold of that truth, especially in this time, especially during the Advent season when we remember Christ coming, where we remember God drawing near to us so that we can draw near to him. Let us this Sunday morning, let us this month, this season, be renewed and refreshed and strengthened in God's word. Be renewed and refreshed and strengthened in the gospel and all that Jesus Christ has done for us. Let us drown out the lies of the world and the lies of our own hearts. Let the word of God be the thing that speaks the loudest, the clearest, the truest. And then let us live in faith. Let us follow God's word and let us experience all the goodness that it has for us. Friends, drawing near to God is life. It's wholeness. It's health. It's healing. It's forgiveness and freedom. These things are offered you through Jesus Christ. And so draw near to God. Amen. Let's pray.